And here we are. Welcome, <laughs> Katrina, Katrina Liwanag, to the Kuya Chris and Friends podcast. Shout out to Katrina Liwanag because yeah. my logo picture was originally taken by you. Ah, yeah. so could you please bless the mic first, as I like to do here on Kuya Chris and Friends, with some of your creativity before we dive into a little bit about you. So, oh, we're doing it now. Yes. So we start it off. Usually, that's that's how how we run it. Okay. The first opening is just the awesome creative side. So I know you, Katrina Liwanag, as a <laughs> singer, you've rapped as well. Yes. Um, but you got vocal chops like no other. So let us get that on to the digital world. We've got the recordings going. And please uh, bless us. What are you going to do? Hi, I'm Katrina. Uh, you can just call me Trina. Trina, okay. <laughs> and um, I didn't know I was going to start now, but this song was... Oh, yes. Yeah, so I was the one who took a picture of Mr. Kuya Chris's... <laughs> photo for the logo for this very podcast uh. before i go into the song just letting them all know yes that we were in the philippines and it was before he was going to a different region in mindanao we were leaving visayas we were leaving visayas yep. tacloban city going to about to go to mindanao and i was like oh let me take a picture of you and then it was clean. It looked good. And yeah. then that's what I had um, converted into cartoonish, cartoonish, uh, illustrated as the as the professionals like to call it, <laughs> illustrated, and, <laughs> and vectorized as specifics. I said, um, "What did I say? Cartoonized." Cartoonized. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's how. <laughs> but that works. Cartoonize it. Um, and then now it's my logo, which I have actually a sticker for, ha ha ha, for my guest. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So, please, what are you going to perform oh, yeah. for us? Oh yeah. So as I was saying last year, we went to on a trip to the Philippines, an exposure, like a broad exposure trip to the Philippines with Kapit Bisig Kabataan Network, which in translation means youth linked in arms, mm. and. Uh, that was my first time going to the Philippines. So for those who have listened to my music, there was a rap that I um, I composed yeah. before leaving. Yeah. And it was called Home. And it was more so me longing for a chance to go to the Philippines. And when I came back, this longing sort of just transformed not really just a longing to understand my identity or like oh. to, to understand my heritage oh. but really a longing to be with our kababayan in the philippines again when will i see them again mm. the ones who have touched my life forever who are a part of that journey and still are, even though I'm back here in the States. So this song is dedicated to those in the Philippines, the millions of Filipinos overseas in other countries, mm. as well as 
other folks of color that are, you know, continuously struggling it out uh, collectively in other communities of color to find freedom. And the majority of those people um, are like, we're trying to understand that we're all connected, whether we're in Africa. So like a tree. Or, or like a root system. Yeah, or in the Middle East, or in the Philippines, in Central America, in Australia, and here in the belly of the bush. Antarctica? Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> They're important too. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know if anyone lives there. I don't think so. Okay, so yeah. Okay, so, so this song, yes. Yeah, so this song is dedicated to home again okay but yeah hope you like it they think it's so easy for them to make you lose Work hard to make us forget that our fates were all set up And say we got the right to choose Choose to provide, choose your future Every person for himself Make me forget my brother While they taking our wealth People didn't just resist so we can feel the same pain Gotta educate to change the game Cause united ain't no way they gon' tear us apart Cause our people taught us how to build home in our hearts if you feel this, throw your left fist up so they see what down Standing rock, we miss you right now You love with your soul and liberate us all For those at the top, prepare for the fall Surrounded by faces on this sacred ground Standing rock, we miss you right now You love with your soul and liberate us all For those at the top, prepare for the fall we're stronger together and we are one sound Standing rock, we miss you right now Ask a Luma child what the fate of their lives will be They'll say accessible education will lead them to prosperity But these so-called leaders serve the money, not the people, don't you see? Cause there's mining and there's logging, the terrorist police Corporate interests taking space where the youth want to be free They're so young but they already see Cause united ain't no way they gon' tear us apart Cause our people taught us how to build home in our hearts if you feel this, throw your left fist up so they see we're down Mind and I, we miss you right now You love with your soul and liberate us all For those at the top, prepare for the fall Surrounded by faces on this sacred ground Mind and I, we miss you right now You love with your soul and liberate us all For those at the top, prepare for the fall we're stronger together and we are one sound Men's and now we miss you right now Your sister's crying out From Palestine
gonna start into the town Your brother's crying out We must protect this land for now You keep crying out, Lord We must fight for rights right now Your soul is crying out We will keep coming round You love with your soul Then liberate us all For those at the top Prepare Because of the fire, hey. No, it's just in it. <laughs> so that was that was your original writing. Yes. Um, are you gonna do another piece? Who knows? Yes. Maybe, 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 maybe. Oh, so you're good for that for now, first. For now. For now. Okay, okay. Then we can chop it up. We can we can talk chop a little bit. Chop it up. We can talk a little bit about um, what inspired that. Uh-huh. Um, your writing, your music, and just chop it up a little bit. Mm. Can you move the mic a little bit where this part? Okay, there, somewhat like that. Thank you. So that there's this not this thing blocking mm. your face, like right in the middle. Hey, ha, huh, how's it going? That would have been nice before I sang. Oh, uh, it's a different direction from the camera. So, oh, we, so yeah, like so this. just like yeah. right here. Mm. So I'm not. So I'm just looking. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's my guest. <laughs> so. <laughs> Your gift. <laughs> uh, my Kuyo Chris and friend. Today you are my friend. My guest. Okay. Anyway, um, the song. Tell me a little bit about it. Okay. What inspired it? Um, why? Have you, I've seen you perform that a few times. Yeah. Um, why do you like performing it and all? Give me a little backstory on the song itself. Um, well... Okay, so giving it like a little bit of a context for those who've never been to the Philippines because it was my first time. Uh-huh. And you knew you know it was like when you've been on the trip, it was your second time. So you've seen the conditions like when you went for the first time. So for me it was almost like a culture shock maybe the first few days. Mm-hmm. 
And I think upon coming back, this song was not written yet. And upon coming back, I experienced what was like almost a reverse culture shock, a reverse like anger almost, Mm. or just like feeling of disappointment. Because I think though we know that the conditions have been very unjust in the Philippines, like you still see somewhat of this like strength and like unconditional love of the communities we visited and almost like this this hunger for true happiness and like true freedom and i think that upon coming back <clears throat> i not only was i yearning to be around that but it's like you know the fact of the matter is our conditions are like we're million or not millions <laughs> thousands of miles away from the philippines as philams right so it was more of a piece that i wanted to write in the hopes that it would touch a community so deeply that we would want to create this sort of hunger for freedom here hmm. so just rewind context a little bit <laughs> when you're saying that was your first time and that was my second time this is a community trip mm-hmm. um, organized by KBKN what yeah. you were saying and then the trip itself takes us around to you want to explain yeah so different regions in the Philippines throughout the three main islands Luzon, Visayas, Mindanao mm. and um, this song particularly was emphasized for Mindanao so we were mostly integrating through the trip with peasant farmers because um, the Philippines is seventy five percent peasant class, it's really a lot. The statistics. No, it's real. It's true. You know, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm making fun of it. It's true. <laughs> but it, it's true too. Statistics. It is true. That's a, st- a stat, right? That's yeah, a statistic. Yeah, yeah. That's it true. just sounded funny when you said it. <laughs> <The> statistics. <laughs> but um, yeah. So we were mostly with uh, peasant farmers. Um, were some workers, some um, when we were separated, our delegation was like more than 20, so some of them got to see the fisher folks. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to do that, I was kind of jealous. And then, but then also, uh, integrating specifically in Mindanao was indigenous, indigenous people, so like of the Lumad in Mindanao, uh, different uh, indigenous tribes or indigenous groups of people. Um, a lot of them living in the countryside. Um, and I think what really also reminded me that this song was needed to be written, like one of the lines where I say, like taking space, like corporate interest taking space where the youth want to be free. So setting up the context for that line, a lot of the children that we visited from Luzon to Visayas to Mindanao, whether they were indigenous or not, they're experiencing some sort of halt in what they need um, be it like food, water, basic things, education, especially um, because of the interests of like corporate, m- corporate, corporate interests. Like, there's a lot of like mining going on, a lot of logging for a lot of corporations. Hence, and then a lot of militarization in those communities, which kind of not just kind of, it makes the communities unsafe for the kids. So it's like, I think the fact that we live here in the US, we are we have this access to so much information and especially with like social media, right? We have so much access. But at the same time, 
we we have like this firewall. We live in the firewall wherein we don't know what it's like to be heavily militarized. Like our the closest would be like a lot of our comrades that you know experience like uh, militarized police in our communities in urban communities, but in the countryside where there's military always monitoring your movement and um, where you go. I don't know. I think I just wanted to make this piece so that people know that that's happening in our homeland. So, and it's very like timely because right now, actually in Mindanao, there's martial law. Yeah. And then um, there was a, an event at Filipino Community Center. Shout out, FCC. Uh, Yay! Um, a few, was I'm it? a volunteer there. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> two days ago, they had an event where they had folks from the Philippines um, talk, like through uh, video chat and everything, mm-hmm. about, hey, oh, what's going on now on the ground now that there's martial law? Yeah. And then Pele, shout out to Pele, um, uh, gave like a little comparison was that... Um, from a I feel drive- like you shout out Pele every podcast. No, I don't. I've never <laughs> shouted him out. I don't think. Yeah, you shout. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good that you're. You. <laughs> it's good that you're shouting it out. But dang, like at least two or three, you've been like shout outs to Pele. Salukpungan <laughs> 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 International. Shout outs to Pele. FCC. Shout outs to Pele. Kabataan. <laughs> shout outs to Pe- Pele. It's like somewhat shout out to Pele all the time. I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to miss people. Um, no, but he was sharing about how... Um, oh, he was on video chat. Yeah, he was on video chat. Oh, yeah. He was sharing how uh, a drive comparable to San Diego to the Bay Area, uh-huh. um, Davao to wherever he was going, um, he ran into or saw at least 10 heavy militarized checkpoints. Mm-hmm. Like So imagine driving on the five. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And then just every stop, like... Koalinga, Kettleman City, every single spot would have a checkpoint, like 10 of those. And And even considering like where you'd be, depending where you are, like traffic, it's like, oh, it's you're not even really traveling that far. Like, you know, when you think about like on the I-5, you're traveling like 80 miles per hour. Uh, And you think about how fast you're like, oh, another checkpoint. Oh, another checkpoint. It's like not even that far away. Probably like what, four, five kilometers, like... And, That's crazy. Uh, the the idea that I was just thinking about a while ago is that sometimes when I drive around here, like, and I see police, like, I get a little, yeah, <laughs> like I just double check. Yeah, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, real. Like sometimes I'm like, I I, I I'm not doing anything, right? <laughs> right? Mm. Just and then, but sometimes I'm like, oh shit, put my phone away. <laughs> but oh, yeah. that's bad. But like that feeling of like, oh shoot, um, just when I see one, when they're technically supposed to uh, be there for protection, right? Like a sense of um, uneasiness. Yeah. yeah, and then, but imagine if that was like full on military. Right with the heavily armed, um, because that's like another level. Um, yeah, and especially there, it's like I think the one factor that's a little bit different is here. You know, there's of course there's profiling anywhere you go, depending on like the social norms of an area. But there, it's like everyone is Pinoy, diba? But or like Filipino. Everyone there in the Philippines, for the most part, is Filipino, except for, you know, tourists and stuff. But then here, 
we're living where there's like millions of displaced people from other countries. So we all look different, which gives the police kind of a reason to be like, oh, who do we target? And it's usually, you know, brown people, black and brown people. But there, what I'm, I think what I'm worried about now is how they profile and target certain people, even though they say, oh, martial law is declared because this is an anti-terrorist like uh, act or like a decision to fight terrorism and these extreme groups in the Philippines. But if that's who you're looking for in a population of 90 million people, like the people who are going to be profiled like racially, well, I don't know how to say it, like, profiled mm-hmm. and targeted are going to be like people who just look like me and you and they're just like regular civilians when, when it's I'm, not it like, makes sense, like it's not like there's a bunch of black people all the time <laughs> that like, are there and mexican people and every time Middle every, eastern people every time they do a in the Philippine <clears throat> news like tv patrol and then there's a suspect right please don't look like me please don't Christian, <laughs> you're here. Like, you live here. I'm like, oh shoot, he looks like me. <laughs> there have been times like they have the posters. Like oh, when I'm yeah. or when I'm traveling in the Philippines, right? They have those. They posters have the with checkpoint all the, with all of the pictures of the terrorists. What they're on the terrorist yeah, watch. Yeah, it's way easier to look like someone there. <laughs> like mm. for me to look like someone, especially if I have uh, so, like just a buzz cut head. Yeah, like, that's sometimes true. Sometimes it's I'm like. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, but see, that's very telling then is like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure that they're going to be targeting people that they're just like, oh, are you da-da-da? Like, even if you look suspicious and if they have a reason, but it's going to be mostly thousands of people that are just poor or because all of the checkpoints are going to be where just like regular communities are. So it makes me think that the stratification here, right, is uh, on both uh, colored lines and uh, economic lines, but I think in the Philippines the stratification is religious uh, lines, yeah, region. religious lines. But in terms of like the dominating uh, structure that um, delineates people, the stratification is exemplified in the Philippines through economics. Yeah, um, because it's a class class analysis, you know, like class analysis. It's true, like. When you think about society, like, remember when, when we were in the Philippines and we were sitting in a car and we were talking about, like, how usually if someone is lighter skin, of course, probably they're using whitening, so, but it's also Glutamax, an indi- baby. It's also an indi- <laughs> Not funny. <laughs> you we, don't even we, use we, that. We, 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 <laughs> but for real, we, we saw, like, a whole aisle right more oh, than one more than one more than one it's like, like a it's, third of the market sometimes in the dr- regular drugstores yeah, like everywhere. a third yeah it's everywhere to have whitening lotions creams it's, it's even like um available in like the random like ma and pa like yeah. corner store sorry, where you just buy yeah sorry yeah. sorry store they have whitening soap yeah. but yeah like what i was saying is that is an indicator even though you're not a white person, if you have whiter skin, it's an indicator that what? You might have a house instead of living in a Baha'i Kubo. Like you might have, or like living outside. You probably have air conditioning where you live. You're completely like, you're available. You can have shade. 
you know, and also you can afford to buy products that keep you from being this like wretched dark person, you know, it's sad. Shade. That's where one place throwing shade is actually a gift. Here's an umbrella. <laughs> oh my God. So, but for real, but we need people, that. We, we need the sun. Yeah, we need those nutrients. But for real, people <laughs> use umbrellas there when it's yeah. not raining. We to had a avoid delegate that brought one. Yeah, but, but then, because of you know, yeah, other, other reasons. reasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, it. I think like also there was this commercial on TFC recently. It's like a sunshine. Oh. It's like there's this song. It's with all of the TFC. Um, celebrity like the well-renowned like actors and actresses and singers like they had like chris aquino on there boy the bald guy yeah and then like sarah hieronimo what's his name Uh, piola pasquale like all those random like really famous people and they were like in the like in the palenque like going through the palenque going to like the parks and stuff and they're like talking like i think they're trying to exemplify like community and like family like dynamics in like how they emphasize family and community and being proud of being filipino but it was interesting that all of the celebrities when they would be standing next to like regular people at the park like the ice cream vendor the person running the sari sari shop like the manong that's just like chilling the celebrities are dancing with them but you can see it's like really stark how different their skin color is yeah it like makes them almost look like heroes and like conquistadors yeah it's uh, weird it, it was a weird commercial and one is bello kissed <laughs> vicky bello you don't know <laughs> that no. she's like one of the biggest plastic surgery surgeons oh. in the like philippines I... and then she has like a whole line of stores and um locations you can go to for skin treatment injections glutathione injections baby shout out to my kuya who got glutathione really <laughs> stop are because, you serious yeah because he was like oh it's good for the liver <laughs> it actually a, is um yeah, scientifically uh it was created for no, liver. but it's supposed to be for that it's supposed it's to, not it is, supposed to be injected into your no, like no it's supposed to be injected and they created it for liver um originally helping, originally yeah. in order for it to help your liver um clear out toxins yeah and and it's effective but a the, lot of people don't you don't really yes, use it for but that but then they found that the side effect of it was lighter skin and then the people who wanted lighter skin were like oh let's use this it's healthy it's like for now they're using the liver excuse like the the healthy part people don't even use that as an excuse they just want oh lighter skin they just use it as hey this is how you can get lighter skin is the glutathione injections and but what i mean is like they'll be like oh isn't that kind of bad they're like well i mean i heard other things that like that it's good for the liver so i mean it's a win-win for me you know like yeah kind of using it as a secondary yeah yeah reason yeah yeah it's it's just more reasons yeah that's why we dark up in here baby phil m life is all about that dark skinneds no 
I guess. <laughs> but then, if anything, no. Phil Lambs are pretty light skin here too, because we're yeah, but we're in a different climate. What I'll say though is that even growing up since high school, like and meeting Phil Lambs, there was like a larger number of them by consensus like being dark. Like, yeah, did not mind. Uh, in comparison to the same people of the same age, like same age group that I knew in the Philippines, like being lighter skinned, while the ones in the same age group here in the U.S., like who are Filipinos um, ethnically, right, but grew up here, a lot of them like being dark. The ones, you know, the homies in L.A. Why do you think? Uh, because I think it's a combination of not being under the like colorism culture of the philippines right where if you're glorified if you're light-skinned um but at the same time i think there's also an underlying um part of the experience here in america where you kind of try to find a sense of um like distinction and one is being filipino and you're like oh filipinos are dark and it's like oh it's fine but also i think like for example the filipinos i knew in la a lot of them also uh resonated a lot with hip-hop culture and african-american black culture and they're black they they don't care about well i mean you have the mini like team light skin stuff but they don't really care about being black dark so a lot of the filipinos i knew or in embrace LA, it you or mean. embrace Not it that they or don't they care. don't or they don't actively try to be light skinned. Yeah, they're not like going out of their way to change. Yeah, what uh, they are. And so I think that's like some folks in LA that I knew were like, oh yeah, 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 hip hop baby. And, and I think that that's something that is attained at a certain age, because like you, you watch the. I remember we were talking about the Hassan Minaj. Yeah. Um, Special Ooh. when Hassan Minaj. The one Minaj, on Young on, Money, Nicki Minaj? No, Minaj. <laughs> Hassan Minaj. From, um, he's from The Daily Show and he talked about, you know, when kids first experience racism mm. ever. Like, mm. And not making it exclusively to Filipinos. We're a part of this. It's, you know, the Muslim community, the black community, the Latino community. When you first experience racism, like the very first time when you're young and you don't even know what it is until you feel shame. And I think that that's something that we continuously combat. So although like in the Philippines, we're like, oh, like the class is very, it's very like sharply indicated by your color. I think here it is too, you know? It's just, um, there's a lot more, there are a lot more factors that go into it. And I think here, when we realize that we're brown and then our colleagues are not, and sometimes it scares you. Like, I remember wishing I was white when I was young. Like, like maybe kindergarten, like wanting to be like my white friends because, for example, like on TV, it's always white people. And then... Like also the way that white people were sort of overrepresenting this like Catholic school that I went to, like super Irish and super Italian, super Russian, super Scottish, like everyone there is white and people just ask you like, what are you? And I think that's the first time when you start to understand like, wow, there is a difference between me and them. 
in their eyes. Like, I would like to think we are all the same, but for them to ask, what are you, and not ask any of the other white people what they are, because I'm sure they don't come from the same national origins, not all of them. Everyone's a mix of something. But how come nobody ever asks the white person, like, what are you? Where are you from? Ever, you know? Except in BuzzFeed videos. <laughs> yeah, like you, like if there's a group of white people, they'll be like, where from white land are you from you know <laughs> or where from europe is your family from they're just like oh you're white yeah 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 but with us just because we're brown they're like which category of brown are you where do you come Ooh. from like all of a sudden it's you're a, filipino all, yeah all of a sudden we're exoticized like we're we're so much more enticing all of a sudden and it's like yo for all you know like i don't know so question real quick let's do a rewind profile building no 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 no. nothing bad Uh, profile building just so we get context of your point of view and because you started going to your history of going to a catholic school (laughs) so it'll be good just to get like a bigger picture perspective right of just like my life speed round where were you born san francisco california uh how old are you 24 years old where did you go to elementary school um, kindergarten at St. Philip's in Diamond Heights and then St. Anne for the rest of my, until eighth grade in the Sunset District, St. Anne of the Sunset. Where do you go to high school? Lowell High School. Where do you go to college? San Francisco State University. What is your major? Sociology with a minor in sexuality studies and education. Uh, what organizations are you a part of? Uh, like now right this now, is really sorry. a speed round. This Jeez, speed round. this is like just to get it all, um, just to get it all there, context-wise. Okay, uh, organizations. Yeah, organizations, groups, whatever. You okay, so um, I am part of a an alliance at San Francisco State University, consisting of all the Filipino um, organizations, and it's called Mula Sa Ugat. That's the name of the alliance. Mula Sa Ugat. Mula Sa Ugat. So it's uh, it's comprised of all the Filipino orgs. Um, I am part of. I am actively part of uh, three organizations. I just became like an active member, sort of, of uh, Filipino American Collegiate Endeavor, which just had their PCN very successful. If I miss this on myself, Filipino Culture Night, and then. Um, League of Filipino Students mm-hmm. at San Francisco State University, uh, which is part of a bunch of alliances, like nationally, internationally. And then um, we have my sorority, the sorority dad that I am a part of. Uh, Kappa Psi Epsilon is a Penai interest organization. Yes. Cool. And so um, I know that you... Uh, we're born here. What do you consider yourself as in terms of ethnic labeling? Oh, what do yeah. You want? Well, so let's we get were talking the, about this. To the identity question of it all. <laughs> the whole purpose. Um, of I our honestly life. like. It's interesting because I think that this, even just this whole identity thing, um, it doesn't matter as much to me as it did like years ago, and I um. Because I mean, like, my dad was like, what the fuck you mean identity? You know, like, my mom was like, what do you mean identity? You know you're Filipino. You know, for them, like, there's no question about it. They know who they are. They're born in the Philippines. And it's like, they don't have, I mean, of course, there's always more to learn, even when you think you've learned all you you need. Um, 
like example we went to the philippines see places they've never seen with their own eyes so it's like i think the identity thing like whether it's like pinex philippinex uh, philippinex dash american philippinex space american filipino filipina filipinat like uh it's almost tiring sometimes to think about it not that i don't think that these labels can be important i just think that even in its in its attempt to be inclusive we're talking about this even in its attempt to be inclusive it's very exclusive how is it exclusive Okay, so like I remember talking to Kasama when we went on KBKN. Kasama means just like for companion, folks. to be with, mm-hmm. comrade, friend. Okay. Many different meanings. Okay, okay. But I was talking to Kasama when uh, one of the, our team leaders from K- uh, KBKN, mm-hmm. and I asked them what they thought of the term Philippinex or Pinex or all of these things. And they said, uh, well, first of all, we don't really talk about that because, like, the dynamics of the society in the Philippines, you don't really have to reiterate the fact that you are Filipino because you know. Second, it's more of like a postmodern, like Americanist term to like say like Filipinex American or Philippi- even saying Filipino American. To them, the American part, they don't even have to use. And then lastly, with like uh, X and Y, these dynamics in regards to gender relations, I see how they can be, you're attempting to be inclusive of the LGBTQ community, but at the same time, when you change the term instead of addressing the actual problems or stratifications, like the inequalities that these communities are facing and your overall solution to it is just the changing of a word, to me, it's like you're not really changing the condition for, you're not really like contributing to the actual change in conditions for people who are most marginalized and discriminated against. Like, for example, like brown trans people, like just because you put Philippinex there, does it mean that it's going to stop people from being discriminated against or like, I don't know, killed? You know? So it's, <laughs> I know it's heavy, but it's true. And to them, like, they feel excluded. And even like a lot, um, Kasamadonna, when we were in uh, Mindanao, she's a Filipina trans lady. And she lives in Mindanao. She lives in General Santos. And she told me, like, I just like to say that I'm Filipina, even though I know that I'm a trans woman. Like, I know that my, like, in my heart and my brain, the way that I grew, I knew that I was a woman. You know, uh-huh. like even though I'm biologically born a male, she's like, I know I'm a woman and I don't need someone to remind me that I'm this trans or Filipinex. Like I'm a Pinay or I'm a Filipina. Mm. And so- that's what I'm telling you. I don't need you to verify with me by putting this X there. Like I am Pinay, the end. And the Lumad understood that. And it's crazy how it's so easy for them to understand. But for us, it's like, have to make all of these like things to make sense of it and and just for people who don't know lumad means like like it's like the indigenous the overall indigenous of the philippines so it's it's consisting of many different groups different groups it's just a yeah. general term to um, like when you say native american but then there's like different there's yeah, like cherokee. cherokee chippewa blah 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 all of those 
And so Lumad, there are Lumad groups like indigenous groups, and then you were mm-hmm. saying that they were just like, oh yeah, like that. Yeah, the, the way the trans- they viewed her was like she was a woman, and they didn't second guess it. And I think like yeah. So going back to your question, like I think my favorite choice was human being. Yeah. Because there are people out there who like. I don't mean to say just all Trump supporters are like this because I know that they have problems too and they are like, you know, we still have things in common with them. But the way that they popularize this is like, you know, like if you're gay, you're going to hell. If you're black, you don't deserve to be here. Like, all lives matter. And then like, if you're Mexican, go back to where you came from. And it's like, yo, like we're human beings. Like you don't talk about people like that, you know, like, Everyone has a right to live while they're here and to live a life that is fulfilling and beautiful, that's surrounded with love. And I think when we put too much emphasis on these labels, it's almost like a notion of separating mm. and which is not loving. Mm. Yeah. I feel like it's, like intellectual superiority not to like, yeah and, definitely and, like the academic space like the yeah. institutionalization of those words but i mean inclusivity is cool like the it also gives light to new experiences because shout out to d young uh, museum <laughs> my first time seeing an oh all gender restroom yeah no, like an all even no, though d young has some problems too but no no here <laughs> i've seen an all gender restroom skyline has some but they they're single stalls it's like for all like gender, all gender single stall so like oh yeah all it just says all gender mm, that's right? interesting uh because the, San Francisco they were State able to convert it, those single ones to like all gender right but then this one and so it has like a picture of like a male female and like a line in between so it's like both. i forget I does forgot it have what a picture there i don't know if i don't think it has a picture it just says it like, just says all gender same thing as in d young on the sign it doesn't have like figures it's just it all just, gender bathroom. it just says all gender bathroom that was cute and then <laughs> when i open it I'm like there's women there so i was like i the first reaction was i'm like the wrong one <laughs> then, yeah because you didn't read in. that it said yeah but it said because so i didn't know where to go and then when i go in they're there like in the sink and then i see the urinal so i was like like the, the standing urinal so i was like oh so this is the this Oh, so you just because you only saw women in that room, you thought it was like the women's restroom. Yeah, and then I was like, "Do I? Am I allowed in here?" <laughs> like, would you have had a different reaction if it was men and women that you saw immediately when opening the door? Oh, I probably would have been like, "Oh, uh, okay, I guess like that." If I saw both men and women already in there, like, but at the time, you, it was all women. Yeah, at the time when I opened the door, it was all women. So I thought so it was one confused. of those moments, like, huh, "Am I <laughs> wrong?" Like, sorry. Like that. <coughs> and that's so crazy. But it was kind of cool. Oh, that's I was like thinking a problem. about it. I was like, oh, this is kind of a cool little social change. Just like, oh, I'm, I'm, hi, hi. <laughs> like, uh, I'll wash my hands <laughs> like that. Yeah, like, but even when you go to the bathroom with guys, you don't say hi to everyone. Only if I know them. Yeah, then, but like, let's say they're just strangers. You just do your business. So yeah. then now, if it's like all gendered restrooms, you would just conduct yourself in the way that you would anyway. Yeah, but. It might every- increase my u- my urinal shyness. I have urinal shyness sometimes. Like if I'm really, I feel like in- it. If you keep doing it, like it would decrease the no, shyness. No, and just in general, if I'm 
at a urinal and I'm right next to a person, if I don't really, really have to pee, if I'm at 90%, like, oh, I have to pee, like, I just go. But then if I'm like at 30%, like, it's one of those preemptive pee strikes, like, like oh, I'm gonna go to the restroom so I can pee because uh, I feel it coming, right? And if I'm there and like two people are right next to me, right at the at the stall, right next to me, I'm like, uh, that's interesting. Like a part of me is like, uh, I think it's because um, I think that's something that women don't really uh, experience because we pee and go number two installs. Oh uh, yeah. So it's like we're always separated. There's there's those. It's super old, but those old memes where like. Um, or even mini games. They had a mini game on the phone, like choose the best stall, and then it would give you a hypothetical picture where one person is peeing, right on the far left. Choose the best stall to use, and there's like five others. You're supposed to pick the one on the way, right? Like oh as God. much distance, or like so when there's weird. two people, like find the one spot where there's a space in between the two people, like that, like to minimize <laughs> the number. And there's games. For a lot many games so you can play and yeah, I guess it's a thing but when yeah. you have to go you have to go sometimes I'm like whatever like if you're really holding it <laughs> but like, yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> but yeah anyway back to inclusivity <laughs> yeah yeah it's cool it's interesting and I think it's it's a general trend but and it's a it's an interesting conversation to have but what I don't like is sort of this postmodernist push to police people's language and in, to in regards to this identity thing like trying to force importance of that onto people yeah it's like what if what, what if any, i already any other political correct yeah, discussion because have you ever i think like as a woman specifically like me as a filipino woman like when i use the term that i'm filipino just saying, I'm Filipino. And then getting reactions like, don't you mean Filipina? Don't you mean Panay? Don't you mean this? And it's like, why can't I just say, like, is that what's the most important thing here? Really? People ask you that? Yeah. That? Yeah. And it's like, I'm not trying to, to dismiss the fact that I am a woman. Like, I'm not trying to dismiss the fact that, like, there are, like, problematic, like, gender dynamics but like why can't i just say that i'm filipino and then you you know you make your decision about what you think on me based on the work i do and the person i am rather than whether or not i use a fucking x <laughs> i was actually i was <laughs> you actually know? Yeah, yeah. shit i was actually thinking that the the term filipino cuz here, okay, L let me, tell me what you think of this uh, idea, mm. right? Okay, because I saw one um, argument for the X, right, is that uh, it was in a Latin X one, and you can say the same argument for the it's Philippine It's different for X. the Latino community, yeah. But, uh, but the, uh, for example, if you can argue for the Philippine X, let's just use Philippine X. When you're, you're Philippi when you're a Filipina, you can call them Filipina, right? Female. Uh, but then when there's a group and say, say a group of women, oh, they're Filipinas. But one guy goes in there You're and Filipinos. then they're all Filipinos, right? And then, for example, if there's a group of men and they're uh, Filipinos, Filipino. if a woman is, is included, it's uh, still Filipino, 
right? Mm. Is that so? They say that that's it's, com- um, it's compromising, like that's um, like prioritizing the men, right? Yeah, but then I agree with this, that. How about this other perspective? What if it's that no, it's not prioritizing, it's just that the special identifier, which is more unique, is only available for the uniqueness and specialty of the women, where they where a Filipino cannot be a Filipina, right? But a Filipina can we can be both Filipina and Filipino. Yeah. So they're privy to both identifiers, which with a Pinay and a Filipina actually holds other additional like merit or even respect in terms of mm. the uh, qualities that can be attributed to that. Mm, I mean, to an extent, I can see where that argument is going. And I, I'm not going to say that like based on how you explained it, I'm not going to make assumptions about whether or not you agree with that. But personally, for me, I disagree with it because... Like, a privilege is not only in a name, you know? Because at the end of the day, like, the Philippines is still very, like, feudal and, like, a lot of patriarchy and in, in, all, in all different societies, you know? It's not just the Philippines. So it's like, oh, big deal. I get to say I'm Filipina and Filipino. But at the end of the day, it's like when we talk about how many people leave the Philippines every day, it's 60% is women when we talk about like the jobs that are most like vul- like the people who are most vulnerable they always say women and children women and children women and children yeah it's because women are treated differently and they're paid less and it's like okay go ahead like take away the fact that I can be tr- called a Filipino take away the fact that I can be called a Filipina but these are the things that I need and it's not being met. So that's when I talk about like, oh, changing the name of a condition is not going to change the condition. Mm. So let's, let's, I want to ask, I want to ask something. Yes. Where, okay, you grew up here. Um, you went to Catholic school. You went to uh, Lowell. You went to Lowell, prestigious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 that was called... Um, but my question is, you seem very, um, like adamant about your perspectives in terms of the Philippines and your analysis of the issues there. Mm -hmm. How did this come about? Were you always, um, very knowledgeable about the Philippines and how did this start? I knew certain things, but I think like I could tell there was always a spark of curiosity because I think in America, like the only access that I had to anything Filipino at all was TV Patrol on Channel 8. And when we got cable, TFC. And that's what I thought being Filipino was all about. And then. <laughs> yeah, just, wow, wow, we baby. Yeah, wow, and he's baby. creepy. Um, <laughs> he's a creep. Um, but then, like. When I went to Lowell, I joined the Philam Club. And then that was my f- also like another introduction into Filipino culture. So we had like uh, annual like assembly, kind of like PCN. Yeah, it was PC- PCN for high school. But we call it assembly, Philam assembly. And then the whole school would, uh, like the teachers would like um, cancel class bring their class their classes over to the assembly and they'd watch. The whole school? 
almost the whole school like unless there were like some teachers that were like meh I don't care but most teachers really like look forward to fill that assembly because we were one of the only cultural clubs at the time that had an assembly do they still have that until now yeah oh I'm not sure if they make it a requirement for some classes to go anymore but it used to fill the whole state the whole uh, auditorium it'd be like and it'd be free so dope you could yeah, just yeah, go yeah, for yeah. free in the middle of your class and not have to learn anything you know yeah, <laughs> or yeah. except of course like the culture and the rich culture of your classmates so beautiful were like there are a lot of filipinos at lowell um i believe we were five percent at the time of the entire student population um it's predominantly Chinese, not just any Asian, but Chinese. 51% Chinese, and then I think like to, a good 20% is white. Mm. So even though we're, we were a public school, it's like pretty bougie. Boo, bad and bougie. No, <laughs> they were good and bougie in high school. I was <laughs> kidding. To an extent, yeah. Because yeah. Lowell, actually, for context, people have to test in it's to the get only into school. Lowell. Even if it's a, public, yeah. it's a public school, but you have to test in and you're admitted based on your performance on that test. The test uh, and your GPA in 7th uh, and 8th oh, grade. Let me shout out real quick a side story on Lowell because this is just recent and this has to be propagated. Okay. So homie Kevin Lorenzana, shout out, Aww, another shout out. Hi, Kevin. Was cutting, was cutting hair. I go in, right? And he has a homie in there, right? He goes to Lowell. He's a, he's a junior. Um, I won't give any more specifics. I don't know if he's going to... Um, I think he's trying to make it more public. Um, his sister uh, wants to make this more public. But what ended up, ended up happening is this foo gets a hundred on his algebra test, right? And he's called in by the teacher. Um, and he says, hey, you... And let's say Brad over there, white kid, um, both got 100. You both have to retake the test because y'all cheated. Y'all cheated, so you have to retake the test. Uh, let's, let's call the homie uh, Josh, right? I, um, I forgot his real name. Sorry, homie. So uh, they only called in one of the students. No, they called in both, right? So Josh is Filipino. Uh, part he's half filipino um, they're both students in the same class both students in the same class josh is uh half filipino uh the brad is white uh teacher says i know both of you cheated all right you're all on the same sports team so you both cheated and because you both got a hundred that's not possible um what does she and mean so that's not possible she just says i know you cheated so brad uh brad uh goes no i didn't cheat i didn't cheat you can't prove it uh, Josh also says, no, I didn't cheat. But the teacher still says, you have to cheat. I mean, you have to take the test. You cheated. So um, Josh, Filipino, retakes the test, gets 100. And uh, says, look, see, I got 100. And Brad, on the other hand, stakes his claim, says, no, I didn't cheat. I did not cheat. I don't have to do that. You can't prove he can't prove that I cheated, so, so I don't have to, to take it. He refuses to take the test. But what the fuck? Then the, Josh still had to take it. And then the teacher goes, okay, you can keep that grade. So the uh, Brad gets to I'm keep so his agitated. grade. I'm so agitated. Gets to keep his grade. And Josh, this just happened this year. Um, Josh, Filipino, had to retake it 
he gets his 100 because he ha- he got 100 again right he complains to the he complains to the admin administrators that right? he had to retake the that test. he had to retake the class test the whole process of like what is this what's Them going questioning on questioning his uh his honor yeah speaking in the mic too when you say stuff like them questioning his honor yep yep and then the admin says something to the lines of this is not verbatim but something to the lines of oh yeah that was bad she she'll improve next time and that's it no action nothing even i was tripping out like i was like whoa, whoa, whoa what nothing they it just stopped there and it was like yeah they didn't they just said oh yeah that's that's a bad thing that happened um uh, yeah that shouldn't have happened and um that shouldn't happen you know i'm very agitated but at the same time not surprised because you know i went there for four years and and you see how things stop at like the admin level like yeah where it's just protecting the the the, the, like the rapport of the school yeah and how just keep it going keep it going keep it going yeah don't question. Just keep it going. And, and if I was I, like, bro, you have to tell this story. You have to yeah. like link up and make sure we get that on some testimonial level because that's fucked. But this guy, hey, this guy, uh, I hope I don't give a, give away who he is, but this guy is half Filipino, half Samoan. Bro, he was big too. And Poggy, he, and he's only, he's young and I was like, bro. And then he's he's got like ink on him i was like are you even 18 (laughs) um but those stories have to be told and to be propagated i think because it's kind of fuck but um yeah he didn't cheat yo fuck that (laughs) i cheated though in high school (laughs) 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 and i still got them d's (laughs) i got my my transcript back like uh, from high school because I had to for to set, turn it in to turn it in right just high school transcript to prove that I took Spanish, um, but <laughs> to prove that I took Spanish <laughs> <laughs> even if I don't know anything other than como se llama, um, and my grades I was kind of surprised I was like what the heck I graduated with a three point two something I had like D's in psychology <laughs> wait three point two is really good. I don't get how. Not that. really. Three point two well, is a B average. Yeah, but then in how terms, how did you get that when you had D's? Because my freshman sophomore year, I had a bunch of A's. Oh, okay. so my cumul cumulative three point two is fine. Yeah, that's like that ain't that's that, good. That, that's that's very for good. Palo Alto, if we're talking about. Okay, Palo well, Alto. Lowell, even though. <coughs> You know, Lowell's Lowell, so I mean. Lowell's Lowell, one of the number one schools in the... In the country. Count, in the country. And a lo- the average, like the average GPA was 3.2, 3.3. Over there? Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, not bad, Christian, not bad. Yes, they, those Ds were all right in music theory. <laughs> did, you just, did you just not go to class? <laughs> thought you're into music i know but not the theory part that time that's important i know it's super important i wish i actually studied more and had it ingrained now that i don't have to wish you can still do it i I did i took music theory this semester i got an a Mm. um and uh, hey baby skyline college shout out that's where you go community college where it's at oh heart of the people um 
save your money. And yeah, I got an A. And but during high school, I remember that. Shout out to Mr. Nahar. Um, he was the choir teacher and the music theory um, teacher and stuff. So I was in choir like the years that I were there, and even the uh, the not honor choir, but like the ma- the one that you have try out for magical, right? So I was in it, and I guess we had a okay rapport. <laughs> the bathroom pass every day in music theory i was the only one who didn't take the ap test even if i took the ap class as music theory ap i was like i don't have to take the test right i would just take the pass hall pass and just walk around the um the school for because i wanted to like talk to people um aka and then people um (laughs) Uh, yeah, okay. I wanted to talk to girls, but they didn't really want to talk to me during mm. that time. Um, and uh, and then at the end of the semester, he was like, "Okay, the least, the best I could do for you is a D." <laughs> and then I was like, "Huh, that's a C because it's an AP test, right? <laughs> it's an AP class. <laughs> it's, so weighed. it's weighted. Yeah, it's weighted like a C." So I was like. All right, that's fine. <laughs> and that is still passing. Uh, Mr. Nahar, I'm better at music now. Shout out. Um, and uh, it's kind of cool just to see the flashback of the high school transcript, right? Uh, so tell me, how did you transition? Back to you, enough of me. Yeah. Uh, enough of Kuyo Chris on Kuyo Chris and Friends. Let us go back to how was your actual experience? Because I know. We, for context, we went to the Philippines last year on Kapit Bisik Kabataan Network. Shout out, class of 2016. Um, we went on this trip, uh, and that was your first time in the Philippines. Could you yeah. tell me a little bit about your experience uh, going to the Philippines yeah. for a first time? And as a, now that we have a context as a Filipina, Philippine ex, Filipina, American human being, right? that grew up in the United States with a uh, ethnic background of being uh, with Filipina, Filipino parents, what was your experience like going to the Philippines? Okay. But yeah, I wanted to answer the other question. Wait, sorry, was there another question? I totally oh forgot. Oh my God, we was really there? went off on a tangent there with your bathroom pass thing. <laughs> I know you have that tendency, so I'm not angry. <laughs> what was the question? Sorry. <laughs> when I was talking about like, oh, was I always interested in like Philippines? Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sidebar because of lo- of the Lowell story yeah. with the homie Josh. His real name is not Josh, but mm-hmm. um, yes. So please continue. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my days as a host are numbered. <laughs> You're so annoying. Welcome to the first and last episode of Kuya Chris and Friends. Okay, back to you. (laughs) (laughs) It's hot, isn't it? Or is it hot? I think that I need to speak. It's pretty hot. Can you start sharing? Just share while I turn the heater (laughs) off. Okay. Hi, sexy. Hi, sexy. Shout out to, shout out to sexy. I think it was set at seventy six, and that's like in there. Oh, um, it was set so. I think I set it so high to get it hot in here, because the thermostat is in there. Whew. Okay. Anyway, I'm just trying so, to recreate the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah. I was in Philam. 
No, same. Okay. Um, yeah, like I graduated thinking like Philam was like all I needed. Uh-huh. And like talking about like, oh yeah, like we do Tinikling. And like um, also like another thing that was kind of like, um, like had like little microaggressions in regards to like racism. We always had this like annual thing called Kermes at Lowell. Kermes. Kermes. K-E-R-M-E-S-S-E. So it's basically like our cultural festival where every cultural club basically makes food, sells it. And it's like, this is our culture. And then they have like performances from whoever. Sometimes it's from the staff. Sometimes it's from the cultural club or like cheerleaders or whatever. And like that was our only cultural day in which we celebrated people's cultures. And mind you, like... If I think about not only the Filipinos, like I was like, oh yeah, yeah I'm in Philam and we're selling lumpia two for a dollar, and I was like, this is the height of like Filipino ness, you know, like, and I thought that by doing these like annual shows, as important as they were, like, it's high school, you know, like there's only a certain level of understanding of like, okay, what does it mean to actually like, I don't know, be engaged in the community. And I think in an environment like Lowell, which is highly emphasized on the academic, you're very alienated from the rest of the community because there's like a lot of, um, there's a lot of reports of like depression, anxiety, like stress amongst Lowell students because they have that expectation that they're going to be professionals and be very successful, go to Ivy League college, private college overseas. So it's like when it comes to ethnic studies, which we did not have at the time, nobody really cared except when it would be to their benefit of buying lumpia and enjoying it. Mm. You know? Or like making fun of people for doing the, I know, the what's the name of that seagull dance the philippine like i, I remember know, when sure. they i remember one year we did that that cultural rural dance and the entire audience was laughing like there were members of the audience laughing and it's just like interesting to me like to think back on it now is like we really thought that we were being all we could and that, you know, there's a certain level of being Filipino enough and then being way too Filipino for people's comfort. And we decided to be reasonable with that and to compromise with that. The people who were like, I don't I don't get it. Like, I know Lumpia. I know, like, Kabusta. I know Maganda. I know, like, Tanginamo. You know, like, <laughs> that's all that we knew in high school. So, like, going into college, fre- freshman year college was when I uh, pledged for Kappa Psi Epsilon. Um, and I'm like still eternally grateful for that introduction to like the Filipino community outside of just like global high school because um, Kappa really like gave me that introduction to like the rich revolutionary culture. Um, like that was the first time I even learned about Jose Rizal. Isn't that crazy? 18 yeah. years old? That's the first time you learn about who Jose Rizal is? Mm. You know? And um, I grew up in San Francisco all my life. I learned about who Jose Rizal was, who Andres Bonifacio was. I learned about 
um, the Delano Grape Strike, I learned that like Filipinos have been here, like they like they were on a Spanish galleon trade for like over three hundred years. I never knew that. Like I knew that we had Spanish last names, but I never understood why. Like all of these, all this rich shit. Like knowing that we have an ancient like script, huh? Like I didn't, I didn't know any of that, and. I think that that's, I think why identity is such a big thing here is because, holy crap, it's not in our education system that like, this this is like true history of the Philippines. Like, they're, it's rich. Like, the history is rich. Um, and then learning about, um, yeah, like learning about like people like Gabriela Silong and Tantang Sora. And then for a project for uh, Kappa, we had to go around the city and they gave us these locations to visit. And it was just like a project to like hang out with each other and bond as a class. And we went to the Philippine streets, the Filipino streets in the Soma. We went to Bindlestiff. We went to Bayanihan Center. We went to the Filipino Community Center. We went to the Dr- the Mike Dream Graffiti. We went to the I Hotel. All these things I didn't even know existed. <laughs> and I was born in San Francisco. And I was like, this is so nuts. Like, how come, like, I've been going to school. I memorized how to take the bus like all of the bus routes and just like past these things, like passed by Bessie Carmichael and there's that big ass Filipino mural, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like all of that. And then like when you go to Union Square, that's that there's that problematic ass statue, like Mr. Dewey. Yeah, like all of that. And I was like, huh? Like when did this happen? <laughs> and then you see that these things have been here for years. And I think that that was what really... um reintroduce like that spark for me that's why i'm always eternally grateful for for kappa for introducing me to this rich this rich history that um the books in my ap u.s history class and my ap world class and all of that from from back at lowell didn't teach me who cares if i had like a 3.5 or a 3.7 or even a like whatever whatever gpa I had it's like this is shit that matters like as a filipina like am i really going to care like what the liberty bell represents <laughs> like you know like things like that that i learned in like ap us history mm-hmm. as compared to like m- people who look like me and people who i exist because of like i attribute that like my existence to them so yeah it's pretty awesome it makes me wonder right like how how we're going to structure like educational system that like if if for example right I've got a lot of benefit out of learning about Filipino history and all that. Yeah. Right. So, are we going to send every Filipino to a Filipino school, like, or mm, that's because a, that's a little like that? Yeah, but that's mm-hmm. wait, 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 because what if you're in a place where you have like with someone from Burma, India, and then you have like Malaysian, Russian? How can you structure the uh, curriculum mm-hmm. in a limited amount of days? to touch 
um, the deaths of each person's cultural background yeah. um, and give each one the same type of exploratory experience. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that's where, like, the work that we talk about in LFS, like, um, and, you know, a lot of these organizations that are here in the Bay Area, when we talk about, like, Salugpungan and this, like, fight for building schools that are not only built for the community, but by the community themselves. So understanding that, like, we, the, the education system that we're in now has existed, like, since slavery or, like, right after slavery right it's like the the classrooms like the teacher has all the authority the desks mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. even the classroom structure has been it's the same but the people have changed the people have gotten smarter they have progressed the conditions have changed technology is moving faster than ever but why is the classroom still the same and i think like if we're talking about curriculum that is inclusive and relevant to all communities because the fact of the matter is that we're in the us and there's a lot of people <laughs> i think the first thing that we need to address is do these communities feel and know that they have power to exercise because i think that when we romanticize this idea of like academic achievement we have academic we have like immigrant parents that are like just go to school get into stanford work hard and when you go home i still remember like this one experience like with my dad and i was bringing home my history book and i needed help with my history homework and I give him the book and he can't help me. You know, that's like so disheartening for a parent to think that they cannot help their child. And I think that that's one thing we need to change about the academic system is the communities need to f be self-determinant of the things that they want to provide for their communities and their children mm. so that the children can feel like there's a hopeful world they can live in mm. and that we can live we can leave them with a more hopeful world that's why like i love the work salog pungan is doing so much is that they are helping the community understand like you have power that you can exercise and look at who's building the schools and look who's teaching in the schools and look at the language that they're learning how they're learning like what the alphabet is the t the they're not learning about Jose Rizal they're learning about Lumad heroes mm. like and who's creating the curriculum them because the government the act, like the department of education is not providing that for them mm. and they don't care to ask the Lumad for resources because they feel that this this hierarchy in the academic um, institution is like we are all knowing we have internet and books what do you have oral history like it's they don't care and i think that that's like it's transcended here because a lot of communities of color that live here southeast asian there's like native americans here um there's like a lot of people that most of the history is learned orally mm. like oral tradition or scripts and pictures and art so there so, yeah. is like a big importance to take control of the education that is being propagated within our communities. Yeah. Um, Ooh, that got deep. Shout out to Pep for Philippine education 
in SFUSD, baby, um, which is pretty dope. When I first saw it here in uh, San Francisco, like to think that there's places like Bessie Carmichael and Galibata, Bessie Carmichael, dude, um, where they're killing it. Like you can have like Filipino education um, for the youth, like learning about these heroes. Um, Jose Rizal and Andres, Andres. and um, the Manongs and he, he oh shout out to the East Bay changing the school to Philip uh, Veracruz and Larry Itliong Larry yeah. um, and putting these people on the forefront and then thinking like um, PEP which is uh, Pin- Pinoy Pinay Educational Partnerships has classes at Longfellow Elementary my my teacher at Skyline, Liza has her daughter in the PEP program at Longfellow. So it's like people that she has taught um, in her college of uh, Kababayan classes, Filipino studies, has now become the teachers of her child. So it's like really putting people into these positions where they can actually take control of the educational system and really teach what we wished that we had when we were younger, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's pretty dope. Hopefully, it, like, propagates even more. Yeah. But my question is, could you sing another song for us? Uh, there's so many questions. What do you mean? Uh, I thought there was... Okay. <laughs> sure. Sure, because I have to pee. Because so I, I was no, thinking, I if you could start yeah. a song, really, and then, yeah, start a song. I'm gonna just I, run. I don't know. I didn't prepare like another one. I need anything will be dope. You want to put I an instrumental that, on? Sure. What instrumental do you want? I know that you are a dope singer. That's why. So, I, I should it be like a cover, like just randomly to kill time? Anything you? How, how about you request it? Do you memorize? You do you memorize the um, tr- the piece that you did before you went to the Philippines? Yeah, you memorize it. So, the rap. Yeah, the rap. Oh wow! Yeah, because I was just talking about it. Anyway, okay, so, so why don't I pull up that instrumental? What was it again? It was a uh, Cole Summer. Cole. Cole Summer Instrumental on SoundCloud. Um, and then you'll hear it through your headphones, and then you'll be able to perform it. This is what you performed before going to the Philippines, right? And yeah. it was talking about your desire to actually see the Philippines and everything. Whoa, it's a little loud. It's loud. Yeah, let me lower it a bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, restart, restart. Okay. Uh, so I can have it. Wait. Stop. Okay. Ready? Wait. St- wait, wait. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So sudden. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just timing it that I want to do it. And then I'm uh, just uh, um, use the restroom real quick. <laughs> okay, ready and play. <laughs> Now this right here is not a preview Ah, Uh. Now this right here is not a preview 
of what tonight is gonna bring you or nothing like that sharing thoughts rapping blindly to y'all who inspire me thinking why she ain't singing instead she can't be that good anyway yourself is my hometown hood just a pin woman hoping to reach you if i could sharing facts about the homeland but there's more that i should about the situation in the pi where my people stood huh yeah kappa taught me about my history lfs told me seriously this ain't a fucking joke folks leaving every day six thousand knowing that woke me huh yeah the number fucking spoke to me but here we worry about our own jobs i can't be broke you see can't educate myself on loans can't y'all agree borrowing my way for a little degree saying i did something with my life like seriously but i guess i'm still lucky because i live in a home with my sisters and papa ain't gotta make it on my own other people in the city can't make a decent living while technology progressing the rich ain't even giving huh. now they telling the brown to move out now my city's white as fuck i gotta hide out but i can't let it go and i can't let it go i think i need to let it go let it go let it go oh i can let it go there's nothing even matters uh, yes sf is where i stay but my home ain't in the bay my blood runs deep where people look like me like fine brown brothers and pretty brown ladies the philippines is the place i'm really talking about but when i call it my home people be having they doubts they ask you speak the Galog? i never spoke it before they say bitch you ain't really penai and ain't you supposed to know more and when i hear that i can't even be mad but brown oppressing other brown that should be making me sad you see i really always wanted to learn my home tongue the closest i ever got was learning by bayin when i was young huh. deep inside i still wondered if i visited the pi would i get a better understanding of what my people's been demanding that our land wouldn't be exploited but freestanding <laughs> Lose the minnows in a struggle, shit With typhoons and poverty, they gotta juggle it The government be keeping the money, yet yeah, they be smuggling it Sounds like the struggle in the US, it's a double hit Man, I really got this, make this shit mine Bridge of my two homes, it's gotta be a sign I gotta go Oh, I just gotta go home Oh, I just, I gotta go I gotta go, I gotta go Oh, I just gotta go and my home's all that matters Oh, I just, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go Oh, I just gotta go home And nothing even matters Oh, I just, I gotta go, I gotta go, gotta go Oh, I just gotta go home And nothing even matters at all That's it. Fire. That's a fire. A little bit more. That's a fire. Hey, shout out to Trina Cheska. Follow on IG. Trina, T R I N A Cheska, C H E Z K A. Yes. That was fire. Thank you. That was like. I'm a little tired right now, but that livens up it's kind of different hearing things live you feel me like kind of remembering oh yeah i remember she sings dope and then hearing it also on the recorded on the headset and then hearing the vocals like in the end too like 
I remember that fire. Tell Thank me you. a little bit, <coughs> a little bit of history of your creative side. Like I know you've been singing since you were a kid. Um, got that magic mic, chops on. Yeah. Thank you. Um, creative side. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I used to just sing all the time when I was small. My mom still has like those cassette recordings from those things called like my first radio, like the little stereo for little kids where there's a mic and then there's a wire attached to an FM AM radio. What? And then you can, yeah, there's like features. There's FM radio, AM radio, then record. And then when you switch it to record, you put a cassette tape in. Once you press the record button, you're recording yourself, Through like singing. Yeah. yeah, so my sister and I, when she was like one year old, about to turn two, and I was two, um, there's like this really infamous like tape where she and I are singing Tagalog songs, ABCs, one, two, three, like everything. Um, and like nursery rhymes, Christmas songs, everything. Um, so I... I learned how to like sing at a very young age before I learned how to read. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's interesting like saying that and it's not an exaggeration. Because you know how sometimes people be like, I've been singing all my life. And it's like, yo, I started singing before I learned how to read. Like obviously like it's something that I just want to keep for the rest of my life if like God or whoever out there was able to like bestow that passion for me before I could even like communicate things to other people. I think that's pretty beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um, I all, I always loved learning like the Galug songs. And then um, starting first grade, that's when I started taking piano lessons at St. Anne's, transferred over to Ceremony. Hey, <laughs> down the street, the biggest yeah. Filipino community center out there. <laughs> For now, <laughs> until all the construction's done, shit. It's gonna be the bigger Filipino community center. Hey, you know that it's gonna. That up. Mm, I hope so because they're building the condos around there too. Yeah, but the models ain't gonna give that up. But yeah, find anyway. A way to defend, but yeah. defend ceremony and the Pinoy capital. Yeah, but yeah, so I started doing uh, piano lessons there at ceremony, and then I did choir at St. Anne's. And the choir teacher said, why don't you take voice lessons? Uh, because I was like getting a couple solos sometimes. And like we went to Disneyland, like we would perform at Yagirba Buena, at City Hall we performed. And they're like, you know, you should do lessons. Like this is something that you should take very seriously and like you might have a future in it. So my mom enrolled me in private um, opera classical music lessons opera yeah like, um, <laughs> yes with uh dr mila edwards she's a filipina woman and she got her doctorate in mu vocal music back in the philippines mm. and when she first started teaching me she was already in her mid-70s and she just taught from home uh her husband is a world war ii veteran white guy uh, <laughs> but um, they lived together. It's just them two. Their kids were all grown up and stuff. And they just lived in their house on Dorchester Street in Daly City near Westlake. 
like going towards Skyline Boulevard. I still remember where their house was, what it looked like. And I learned from her from the age eight, seven or eight until I was 15. So during those years, I was doing opera, classical music. Wait, um, from eight? From the age seven or eight until, to 15? until 15. That's legit years of yeah. voice lesson. Like she was really the one. Shit. She was really, I think, the one who helped me develop the skill that I had, you know, like helped me find what I was, what I had. Um, Damn, yeah. I'm like, fuck, I'm 25. I'll be good at 32. Fuck. <laughs> 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 yeah, so we would practice. I did piano and voice. So it was every other week. One, one Saturday piano, one Saturday voice, one Saturday piano, one Saturday voice. Do you take piano with the same lady? No. Same lady. She's oh. fucking dope. She was fucking dope. And <laughs> now that I think about it... um. I really hated taking piano lessons. Like there was something about it I really just like could not stand. And I wish I stick stuck with it. Um, and especially for how cheap it was. She was only for private lessons. She was only charging us sixty dollars a month. So sixty sixty dollars a month. Sixty divided by four. It's like fifteen dollars a session. And it's it was great because obviously it like paid off because I'm still continuing the work that she was doing for me. And eventually when I became 13, I was like, fuck the piano lessons. I need to develop these vocal, like I need to develop my vocals. So I just strictly did voice lessons for two years after that. Uh, no piano anymore. So I was, uh, oh, Shout out to Gabe Bonduk. Bonduk, Gabe Bonduk took the same lessons with Dr. Mila. Oh, Edwards. yeah? Yeah, I remember Dang, seeing him wh okay. when he was really young. Like my first um, piano recital, this young dude comes up to the stage. They say, Gabe Bonduk. And then my cousin, like all my cousins like attended the my first recital. And then my cousin who like who she's married now <laughs> but at the time she wasn't married she went wow cute Gabe how cute is he I still remember that <laughs> she was like how cute is he and then he's just like oh like oh angel voice and it, um, I still talk about that now because this lady Dr. Mila Edwards has really like paved the way for a lot of Filipino artists like for her to be living in Daly City and giving private lessons to mostly Filipino people um Including Gabe Bonduk. So Gabe Bonduk, shout out to, <laughs> to right now. I saw Gabe Bonduk's man bun on IG is legit now. <laughs> he was just playing like at a wedding or something. He's still killing it. Yeah. So um, when I when I also see like the development of artists like him and other people who were under Mila Edwards, our styles are very similar. Like the riffs, like... Um, like this, like the emphasis on uh, vibrato, um, holding your notes, understanding how to read music, all of this is like very consistent with all of her pupils. So I carried that everywhere I went, even when I wasn't under her, like I wasn't her student anymore. Mm. Um, and I carried that on when I did chamber choir for Lowell High School 
for two years. I did chamber choir at San Francisco State for one year. Oh, you did at State? Yeah, I did chamber oh. choir. I wanted to do gospel choir because it was more my style, but you know, I'm not very religious as much anymore. So I was like, eh, chamber choir. But now I wish I kind of did gospel choir because I was like, it so looks so fun when they're like dancing yeah. and stuff. And their vocal chops are like another level. On point, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I really, how, how, however she's doing, I don't know what's really going on. Like I haven't contacted her in years. The last time I saw her in person was like junior year of high school and she was in her late seventies when I first became her student. So maybe blessings I, on blessings. Yeah. Blessings on blessings. Like just huge. Thank you for like igniting my passion for classical music. I still am very passionate about classical music. I just use the technique I learned into what I do now. Which and, is, so, yeah. and so now you do a lot of pieces that um, uh, seem to be connected to the Philippines. Yeah. You want to speak on that? How, like, how has music been for you in terms of like your putting yourself into it especially writing origi mm. more original pieces um i think it was when i was uh continuously getting questions like whenever i'd sing and i'd have shows especially the first few years of college they were like do you have a soundcloud like or do you have like a spotify or a pen like you know like all those things you have an itunes or like, do you have, like, where can we find your music? Do you have a YouTube account? And at the time, I already had a YouTube account, but all of the content was covers, 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 ukulele, covers, 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 covers. And I was starting to get tired of it. And I'm pretty sure the audience and, like, my friends, like, the only audience was my friends. I don't really have fans. But, like, my friends were like, yo, like, do you have any original music? And I took that as, like, a self-critique. It's like, yo, like, this gift should not be wasted. Like, you have something to say. Because, like, when do you ever see, like, Filipinas, like, shining with their own original music? Never. Like, yeah. I remember the first, like, who were, who were the girls that were Filipina and famous? Okay. Jasmine Trias. Yeah, but that's American Idol. Yeah. Like, Jasmine Trias, Ramiel Malubay, whatever. It was all covers of things. It was all covers of things. And it was all like, you're just tokenized as this Filipina on American Idol, mm. you know? And now American Idol doesn't even run. The show's not running anymore. I heard they're relaunching it, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know if that's 100%. <laughs> okay. So I, I saw something recently. <laughs> just that, making up rumors. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, like, when do you ever see like Filipinas making their own music and people allowing for that space without them like immediately criticizing her. And I was like, well, I kind of don't care. So I think the first, um, the first influence I had was like looking at artists like um, Ruby Ibarra. Mm. Um, I was introduced to Rocky when I for Rocky Rivera, when I first like joined League of Filipino students, I was like, who's this chick? And then I started listening to their content Yo, like the lyricism hmm. is just unlike anything I've he I had heard before where they talk about these contemporary issues in the Filipino community, Filipino American community and issues that are particularly uh centralized around women's issues. And what I've noticed is that in every organization 
the leadership is usually fallen on women. It's like majority of women is leadership on a lot of things. When you think about Pep at the Allison, right? When you think about like a lot of organizations, like even if it's a collective, women are very like, they take on a lot of tasks. They're very like on point, a lot of artists, like a lot of good singers, Filipina. So I, I felt empowered by that to see that the issues that women face were being um, expressed through the lyric styles of Rocky Rivera and Ruby Ibarra. So I was like, let me just give this a try. <laughs> and yeah, I... And then you started writing more of your own. Yeah. Uh, how, so how's the uh, experience been as writing like your own music? I feel like every time I complete writing a song or even a verse, it's like a small victory. Mm. Because it means that I'm that much closer to to sharing openly my life experiences with people who are willing to listen. And to me, it's not, it used to be about how many people would view it or see it or like it. But to me, I think the people, like it's worth it when it inspires somebody else. And when they tell me like, you know, like this reminded me of something. So thank you. Like, oh, you got me thinking, oh, this made me cry, thank you. Even if it's just one person, because I think the main goal in my music is to bring light to issues that we stigmatize, like we think it's taboo to talk about. Um, and I found passion in singing about the Filipino community because like we talked about this, like cultural work is so powerful, like s singing, um, and doing cultural work, like, that's a form of education. It's a form of activism through art. Mm. And I think it's always more accessible to everyone instead of using all these terms that, you know, might not be, like, easily understood by everyone. And it's always so easy to reach children with music. And I think that when you sing to them... Uh, when they also see that it's a Philippine, a brown girl, like singing powerfully, it makes them feel, I don't know, from my experience, it makes them feel like encouraged to take on the things that they want to do, but it was never told like, oh, you can do this, you know? Um, yeah, like. Do you see yourself continuing music in the long run? Do you want to do it professionally? I don't know if I would want to say professionally because that implies like being in a label and then like also being controlled with what you can say, what you can't say, what you can sing, the style in which you Not sing necessarily, it. necessarily because there are professionals who are independent. Yeah, like if I think about Chance the Rapper is like one of the people of color that's not under a label. Yeah. Um, I've thought about it. But I think it's, I think to me right now, like who knows, like maybe my plans with music will change, but all I know is that I'm not going to stop doing it. Mm. And I think right now my main priority is to prop the issues. Mm. And also like 
reach people on an intimate level like recently i've been writing like a lot of like love songs like a lot of relationship songs and like i hope to reach people with that because i think like love is such a universally understood thing and it's like so beautiful that everyone like wants to have that like there's no one in the world that doesn't want love and if you sing a song about love like you're bound to have people listen and wonder like oh i wonder if like this relates to me you know <laughs> and, and and we are emotional beings like as much as people say like women are emotional like men are emotional too like yeah. when they hear songs like it just reaches a part i think of your you know how we can only ac access part of your brain i feel like for some reason when words are expressed in music there's a part of our brain or a part of our hearts i don't know what it is or just our soul is just reached and it it's able to access like your most deepest like memories feelings um everything it's it's something that happens to you physically and i don't mean to be like an arrogant human being i'm sure there's like aliens and like i'm sure that animals have feelings too but it's like for, in my knowledge i feel like human beings are the only beings i know right now who can access music move to it cry to it be angry to it like respond to music and i think that's more powerful than any like social media outlet where you can connect with people instantly but music like someone can be thousands of miles away in the philippines and you're in america as like this brown lady like talking about their the issues that they're facing like that's so powerful like for them to be like holy shit people care about me like people care about what's happening here and especially with it being martial law like now it's like a reminder of my purpose as like an artist is now there's really a chance for me to connect with people like with this issue and i don't think i want to take the time to be stag stagnant about it mm. yeah so we're gonna see more work from you yes yes i awesome. have to and i'm going to the philippines soon like of course i want to prepare something for them like when I'm there, awesome. I don't want to have because no you know how it is when they're just like you're gonna sing tonight and you're like ah. <laughs> yeah. So question, all right, um, just we're gonna have to um, kind of start closing out. I know, but yeah, I like to start closing out with my round of three advice for the younger self. So, what are three mm. pieces of advice? that you can give to, let's see, somebody who's maybe um, the youngin who not necessarily knows everything about their Filipina side, um, but maybe is uh, in like a, a little club at school uh, who likes to sing, who likes to uh, dance. Um, what are three pieces of advice you would give to the young uh, Filipina-American Pinay? Um, wow. in general oh I wish I could say more than three okay one yes one 
Uh, I'll do three, but okay. num- number one. Yes. Hmm. Oh, like as as a, a youth. Excuse me. Like you know what? Like in in the work we do, like where we think about like the YS as like the future, like youth and students, meaning youth and students as like the future of our world. And I'm, I'll say like as a youth, like you have like as a student, you have the resources, you have the friends, the supporters, your family, and you also have the energy that the older generation doesn't. So you need to be decisive on how you decide to use that energy and that excitement to live your life. Are you going to use it to be selfish and be like, me, 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 let me get to the top? Or are you going to use that energy to serve a larger purpose outside of yourself? Because I think the youth always have are at a crossroads. Do I serve myself or do I serve others? And you have that privilege to choose. And I wish I could tell that younger me, or if I if I'm advising like any like Penai out there is you have power that you can exercise that can really serve others. Mm. So do that. Mm. Um yeah, don't waste your life like being selfish. So that's one. That's one. Second. Oh, I'm gonna cry. Um you are beautiful and valuable. Mm. Because um I, the reason why I will en- emphasize that one is because like I think in the in a society with quick innovation and technological advances and even before that it's just deeply ingrained in our society that uh femininity is not valued. And when it is valued, it is continuously like demeaned or sexualized. And I don't, I want women to understand that there is hope for a world in which you can live freely without being afraid of how you look to others. And a, a life where you can live freely and happily without feeling like you need someone to complete you. Because I think like movies and music always say like, you complete me, I'm nothing without you. I have nothing if I don't have you, Whitney Houston, Sarah, shout out. But like, <laughs> I love Whitney, but shit, like you are whole, Whitney. You, do n- you did not need problematic ass Bobby. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I think... I think what women have to offer the world, their love, compassion, giving life to other human beings, that is, and to be able to be continuously like put down in so many ways is so resilient. Like women are the backbone of this world. And I want them to understand that that is beautiful and that is valuable. Hmm. And then third would be 
Third. Third. The final third. The um, holy trinity. What mm, is that piece of advice? Um. Because you had a strong second. This is a strong second. Yeah, that was a strong second one. Um. Mm. Oh, I see it. Um. Do not value hard work by how much money you can make, but or no, let's how about scratch that? That's important too. <laughs> that's that's three point five. Yeah, but, because <laughs> like addendum. I was because like I was learning something in like my gender class about like how women like um like economic work is seen as work but then like domestic work is not seen as work like uh -huh. in the home because yeah. they're like oh that's natural for you because you're a mom and it's like but that's work shit yeah um but yeah lastly i should have had the beautiful and valuable one last <laughs> <laughs> but lastly mm, stay pinai through and through mm. um and I think that this comes also from like um, influence from like mainstream society as well as like, you know, like continuous like colonialism and like imperialism, which like devalues like these ideas of con conserving and protecting um, not only your Filipino identity, but the well-being of your people. And I think it's like, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget that, like, there are people, there were people who fought for you to live. Like, remember when I said I, like, contribute my existence to our ancestors? Like, there were people who fought for you to live. So don't forget that. Mm. And whenever you find a moment to remind yourself channel the love from your ancestors so that you can do good in this world so that generations and generations from now they will remember and remind themselves of what you did for them to exist because there are always going to be people that will challenge our existence as brown people who may not even want us to exist in this world and there are people who have expressed that you know and they've acted upon it so let's not forget that you know there were people fighting for us to be here and let's continue to do that so that our people can flourish and be happy um generations to come boom yes so recap one was you're at a you have your energy you have your energy so use it to serve others rather than be self-serving mm. two two is you are beautiful and valuable and three is do not forget that there were people who fought for your existence don't forget where you came from Ooh. and who you came from Ooh, the ancestors and lineage Boom, mind blown. I feel like 
this is one of those podcasts that I'll definitely like listen through and then sit with a bit like huh and then listen to again you know just like huh and then fast forward the times where I was being a bad host <laughs> it's okay you, it, we're always learning always remolding always remolding just kidding I'm not a bad host I'm a pretty good host just kidding okay <laughs> Yeah, thanks for the water and the tea, you know, <laughs> providing the guitar uh-huh, for me to use. Uh-huh. Yo, I think what threw me off in the middle was it got hot. I changed shirt if you didn't notice because I was powies. Uh, and then it just caused you to rant on and on. Yeah, and like get kind of lost in a little bit. It was too much caffeine. and then Oh, not you're enough, wired and then hot. And not enough real water. So I'm not really mm. hydrated. Um, it's okay. Um, but awesome thank you for coming do you have any last message oh yes like we were saying the Philippines is in martial law right yes Um, we don't know what to expect I'm going to the Philippines for a second time this year this time with the League of Filipino Students uh, for our annual exposure trip it's the first time in four years that we are doing this again I'm very excited but I know a lot of people are worried, but at the same time, like the people, our our families, our comrades, our kasamas are our best defense because we know we're like, you know, we're doing good work. We're on the right side. And I think one thing I would like to tell you is that I'm leaving in a couple of weeks and we are fundraising. Yes. <laughs> so um, if you would like to donate, um, we have a couple of, events coming up saturday i have a 20 minute set with my fellow delegate raymond um, who is our chairperson of lfs will be performing at the uh, mission cultural center for latino arts in mission district and it's a sliding scale five to fifteen dollars but no one will be turned away for lack of funds i'm performing for 20 minutes on saturday 100 percent of the proceeds will be going to the league of filipino mm. students exposure trip um so that so. means i have to get this podcast off by before saturday okay well then if not if not if you would like to donate um, you can Venmo me mm-hmm. <laughs> at at Katrina Dashley Wanug. And we also have a you caring page, but I don't memorize the Earl. The your Earl, so maybe I'll just try have to put a, a link on it onto the blog post. Yeah, because I feel like is, people would have to w- read it anyway. Because if I say it really fast, they'll be like, ah, what'd you say? So yeah, we have a you caring page. I know it takes like 3% off, but. Still, we need all the money we can get because we are leaving in two weeks. Our mate, like one of our other delegates, he's leaving in nine days. And yeah, we really need all the help we can get. Also, June 14th, we have a despedida, which is like a goodbye party, like seeing us off. Um, It will be held at the FCC on June 14th from 6 p.m. until whatever. (laughs) <laughs> so we will be having like food cultural sharings uh basically like an introduction about what we'll be doing on the exposure trip what the exposure trip will entail and then also talk about martial law probably have like a what do you call it a primer type of thing um and then probably continue it elsewhere after we need to leave the fcc <laughs> wink wink but yes 
hang out with us, build with us before we go to the Philippines because we are going to be continuing the work for the YS here in America because I know that it's like kind of like um, walking on eggshells in regards to um, like martial law. People are feeling a little nervous, understandably so, but we understand that we need to go back home. <laughs> And make sure that our kababayan are okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for coming on, Miss Katrina Lee Wanog. You can follow her on Trina Cheska. That is on Instagram. I'll be linking it on. Check. What is her your YouTube channel? Just search no. for Katrina Luwanag. Search for <laughs> Katrina Luwanag. No, it's YouTube.com slash 123 Katrina. Hurricane Katrina. Whoa, that is problematic. problematic. I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school when I made that name. Just at Trina Cheska on Instagram, please. Boom. And all of these links will be on kuyachris.com. Yay. With the logo that was originally taken, the picture by Miss Katrina Liwanog. Thank you. Peace. Peace.